If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hey everyone, on today's episode, we're going to talk about the Nintendo Switch 2 being a possible leak from NVIDIA. We're also going to talk about the Steam Deck, a possible collaboration between Valve and Microsoft, and we're going to talk about cloud gaming. If that sounds good, let's get started. By the time you see this episode, the Nintendo Switch will be five years old. It actually came out on March 3rd, 2017, and so... This episode is right around the five-year anniversary of the Nintendo Switch. And when it came out five years ago, it was dated hardware then. Here we are five years later. We have a new generation of consoles. Nintendo has a whole series of handhelds that are competing with it now. And I think it's time for Nintendo to bring out new hardware. And it looks like they are. But... I'm going to preface everything that I'm about to say with a massive grain of salt. There's a bunch of people who see this news that NVIDIA accidentally leaked that there was a new switch in the mix. And here's, I'm going to rain on your parade. There's always been a new switch in the mix. They've always been working on new hardware. That's what these companies do. As soon as they ship Actually, let me change that. Before they ship the quote-unquote current hardware, they already have somebody working on the next one. The Nintendo Switch 2 started uh, um, research and development before the Nintendo Switch shipped. The PS4 Pro started before the PS4 shipped. The Xbox Series X started well before the Xbox One X shipped. Like, this kind of thing always happens. These companies don't sit there. They say, oh, we've shipped a device. Let's not do anything for a while. They immediately get to work on the next thing. Why? Because it takes a really long time to make said thing. So I've seen a lot of people on Twitter looking at this leak from NVIDIA that shows the NVN2 which everybody is assuming is the Nintendo Switch 2, and it makes perfect sense that it would be. Uh, But everybody talking about that and saying, ah, this right here is in response to the Steam Deck doing really well. And I don't think that's the case. I think that this would have happened no matter what. And just because NVIDIA knows about this thing and accidentally leaked this thing, first off, I do believe it to be true, But it doesn't mean that it's imminent. It doesn't mean that it's launching soon. The Nintendo Switch is selling like absolute gangbusters. Let's talk about the Nintendo Switch for a minute. Yes, it is dated hardware. Yes, it was dated hardware five years ago, but it's also only 200 bucks if you get the Nintendo Switch Lite. It's insanely portable. And as much as I love the Steam Deck, and trust me, I do. This thing is fantastic. I'll talk about it later on in the show. Um, the Nintendo Switch is a lot more portable than this thing. This thing is massive. 
it's awesome, but it's massive. And while this appeals to gamers like me, I think that there's a lot of gamers out there that this does not appeal to, and they like the simplicity of the Switch. And I don't say that I blame them. It makes a lot of sense. So I don't think that anything that Nintendo is doing right now is in response to um, either the, like, say the Aya Neo Pro Next X Plus whatever Max, I don't know what name they have, or the Steam Deck. I don't think Nintendo is responding to them. Nintendo does what Nintendo does. They kind of put their blinders on. They, they, they ignore the rest of the video game industry and they do their own thing. And absolutely, there has been mis- missteps along the way. Look at the Wii U. But then they come out of the out of the gates and they nail it with like the Nintendo Switch and everybody and their brother has one, two, seven of them. They're doing really well. And I expect that when the Switch 2 does eventually launch, it's going to be a big deal. But I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. Here's why I don't think it's going to be anytime soon. And feel free to tell me why I'm wrong in the comments down below if you're watching this over on my YouTube channel. If you're listening to this, go to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash nerdnest. Here's what I think. They just announced Mario Kart 8 Deluxe DLC. 48 new courses, well, not new courses, 48 remastered courses for the latest version of Mario Kart 8 which was or of Mario Kart, which was Mario Kart 8, which originally came out on the Wii U, I think like seven years ago, maybe eight years ago. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head. But then it came to the Nintendo Switch as the deluxe version, which included all the DLC. That was back in 2017. And now we're getting DLC again. And that DLC has a shelf life of like two years. I think that they said that those 48 courses are coming out in six waves. And those six waves are going to take us right up until the beginning of 2023. Or maybe it was the end of 2022. No, the end of 2023, if I'm remembering correctly. And if I'm not, let me know. But that means that we're definitely not looking at a new Mario Kart before 2023. So the Nintendo Switch 2 or Pro or Max or Lite, whatever it is that they want to call it, uh, that's not going to come out. Until the next Mario Kart is ready. Mario Kart is like the highest attach rate item that Nintendo ever has when it comes to video games. Like they sell a a piece of hardware. Their number one selling software, with few exception, is usually Mario Kart. Those games are hugely popular. And for them to bring out a new system and not bring Mario Kart to it, that would be a big mistake. And for them to bring out a new system and bring Mario Kart to it, leaving everybody who just bought the DLC behind, that would be a huge mistake. So the only way that I see a Nintendo Switch sequel launching before the end of the six waves of Mario Kart Deluxe DLC, I think would be if that same game would be ported to the new system. Now, that is a possibility, and that possibility could be where it's a mid-gen refresh. Instead of being um, from the PS4 to the PS5, it would be from the PS4 to the F- to the PS4 Pro. 
And that does make a lot of sense. Now, will Nintendo do that? Maybe. Will they do it in response to other portables in the market? Possibly. But still, Nintendo is selling Nintendo Switches really, really quickly. And if they suddenly go for more powerful chips, I think they're going to be competing with a lot of other people that they don't need to compete with for computer um, chip shortages. And that's going to throw a wrench in the works. And I don't think Nintendo wants to do that. I mean, even Mr. Furukawa said earlier this year, maybe it was last year um, in the last few months, he said that they don't know if they're going to be able to keep the demand of the, or the keep the supply up with the, the demand for the Nintendo switch because of the chip shortage. So making a brand new system, that's going to be even more difficult. So I don't think that we're going to be getting a Nintendo Switch 2 anytime soon, but anything's possible. Let's move on and talk about Nintendo's biggest competition, in my opinion, in the handheld space, and that is Valve's Steam Deck. If you don't know about Valve's Steam Deck, it is essentially, I'm going to call it a PC, but I really think of it more as a console, but it is, by definition, a PC, a portable PC with built-in controls, which is very, very similar in form factor to the Nintendo Switch. Now, it does have a few extra bells and whistles, and I'm sure you've probably heard about that, if if not here on my channel, elsewhere. Uh, but the Steam Deck is $400 at its cheapest version. This version that Valve sent to me back on the 24th uh, is the $650 version. And uh, the only difference between the different versions is how much storage you get. And this one has like anti-glare etched glass, which is actually pretty nice. My wife was driving to the store and I rode with her and I connected my um, Steam Deck to my phone through a wireless hotspot. And we were driving down the highway and I was playing uh, Monster Hunter Rise on my Steam Deck uh, online with other people it was really cool. And if you've ever like tried to play outside when, when the sun is shining, the, uh, the, the reflection is pretty bad and you can play this outside it. it the, I mean, I'm not going to say that there's no glare at all. I mean, as you can see, there is some glare right here, but that's with this, this giant light shining directly on it. And sure it does like kind of blind. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? And by the way, for the audio listeners, I'm just holding it up and you can see a, there's light reflecting off the screen. Uh, but as I'm moving it back and forth, you can still see what's on the screen, even though the, uh, the light is reflecting off of it. I think that that's pretty impressive. Um, the hardware is really what I want to talk about today. And uh, I'll talk a lot more about the software on another day, I'll, I'll touch on the software a little bit, but the hardware I want to talk about today, this is incredibly comfortable to hold. The Nintendo Switch is awesome. I've really enjoyed it for the last five years. I rarely played it in handheld mode, and that's because I always found it uncomfortable to use in handheld mode. It was okay for very short sessions, but if I ever tried playing in handheld mode for any length of time, what I usually would end up doing is take the two Joy-Cons off, put the kickstand out, and then sit in a very, very bad posture. Like, my posture was terrible. 
leaning forward, looking at the little screen and holding the Joy-Cons in my hand. Uh, And that's fine. This is so much more comfortable to hold because Valve decided to make the make the sides actual grips to hold on to. It's got these buttons on the back, triggers, bumpers, full-size joysticks. They're really, really nice joysticks. These particular joysticks are capacitive, so they can tell when you are touching them and when you're not. And that's to go along with the gyroscope, which is built in just like the Nintendo Switch has. It also has these track pads uh, down here as well. And those... Those are very much like the Steam Controller, which if you've never seen the Steam Controller, and if you're listening to the show, just Google Steam Controller so you can see what it looks like. But if you're watching the show, uh, here's a Steam Controller right here. And basically, they replaced the D-pad and the right thumbstick with two touchpads. That was Valve's idea for how can you allow people to use a controller to play games that are not made for a controller. And for the most part, you can do whatever you want with these things. It's pretty amazing. Because the Steam Deck has all of the things that a traditional controller has and the touchpads, I don't find myself using the touchpads in the same way that I did when I was using the Steam Controller a bunch. I use them for ancillary, extra stuff, shortcuts, things like that. And they work really, really well. Uh, The battery, uh, depending on what game you play, you can get, Valve says, between two and eight hours. My experience is that they're pretty accurate on that. I I have loaded up games, and if I have everything cranked all, because one of the things about the Steam Deck is that it's a PC, so you have control over all the game settings, like what resolution it's outputting at, uh, it's more than just having a toggle between performance mode and, and frame rate mode like in most consoles. You have complete control over your game because it's playing the PC version of the game. And if I left everything at max settings or whatever, I could drain that battery in about an hour and a half pretty quickly. But with the screen as small as it is, I don't really feel like I need to do that. And I do tend to play games at native resolution, but I turn a lot of the other stuff down to low or medium settings in order to extend my battery life. And it really works well. Uh, This game, I was playing The Witcher 3, or not this game, this system, I was playing The Witcher 3 on it. Absolutely gorgeous. I've played The Witcher 3 on the Nintendo Switch and I've played it on the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck just absolutely destroys the Nintendo Switch version of The Witcher, hands down. And that's because the Nintendo Switch shipped five years ago, and five years ago it was underpowered. Now, if you are talking about the Steam Deck and you say, you know, you talk about the hardware that's in it, is it underpowered? Well, it depends on what you're comparing it to. If you're comparing it to a modern console like an Xbox Series X or a PlayStation 5, absolutely, it's underpowered. But this is probably at the same this is the same power level, I would say, as like a PS4, but you can take it wherever you want. And the library that is attached to this thing is unbelievably huge. Like when I opened this up and I signed in with my Steam account, I already had 400 games for this platform. And that right there is the reason that I think that the Steam Deck is not only here to set here to stay, but it is going to take the gaming industry by storm. 
Now, there's a lot of other portables out there that compete with the Steam Deck. And the thing that Valve has over all those other ones is price. Price for power. The amount of money that you are paying, $400, for the power that you're getting is incredibly valuable. Like, it's it's a really, really good deal. And Valve has said, look, we've, we have our own operating system. It's a Linux-based operating system. And then they use this um, translation library called Proton to take Windows games and make them playable on deck, which is very cool. They've said SteamOS 3 is free to use. Anybody who wants to make hardware can use SteamOS 3, no problem at all. And first off, that's brilliant because that means it gets more people using Steam OS, which has Steam built in, smart move Valve. But it also means that if if somebody does make a competing piece of hardware uh, that goes up against the Steam Deck, Valve still makes money off the sales. If, if, if they use Valve's operating system, which why wouldn't they? Windows costs money. Steam OS, is th- Steam OS 3.0 is free. Valve is going to still make money on sales on Steam even if somebody's using a competitor's hardware. It's a very, very smart move. Now, somebody's, of course, in the comments going to ask me, Bill, are you going to install SteamOS 3.0? No, I'm not. Here's why. Number one, I've got the Steam Deck. I'm just going to play my game on there. Number two, this fancy microphone is hooked up to a fancy mixer. That fancy mixer has software that only works with Windows. So I have no choice. I have to stay with Windows. Plus, my recording software is Windows is Windows based. Yes, you can get it on Linux, but the one that I have works really, really well. And I'm a content creator. I need my stuff to work. So somebody's going to say, Bill, you could dual boot. You're right, I could. Or I could just play games on my Steam Deck. So I really don't have the need for it. But if you don't have a Steam Deck, you want to see what SteamOS 3.0 is like, you can. Uh, by the way, it's pretty good. Let's move on to the software of the Steam Deck. Like I said, it's pretty good, but it's not all there yet. There's still quite a bit of work to do, but oh my God, they are incredibly responsive. Um, I found, I'm going to say two bugs so far. Yeah, I think it was just two. And I emailed my contacts at Valve about both of the bugs. I almost immediately, like within a couple of hours, got an email back from them saying, hey, we have figured out the issue with the bug that you told us about, and we're patching it in the next patch. And sure enough, the next day, I had to patch, and that bug was gone. It's already happened twice. I've gotten, I I got the Steam Deck on the 24th. It's been, uh, let's see, four or five, six days, less than a week. It's been less than a week, and they've already fixed two patches that I've sent them. Imagine all the, all the bugs or they already patched two bugs that I've sent them is the correct way to say that. Imagine all the bugs that they are finding out about from people who actually have them in their hands and how responsive they're being with just me. They're going to get a lot done really, really fast. Valve is clearly focused on iterating on SteamOS very, very quickly and getting those fixes out as fast as they possibly can. And so while you've probably seen um, articles talking about how SteamOS is unfinished, and I'm going to say I agree, it is unfinished, but it's really, really good. 
And I cannot wait to see what else Valve has to do or has in store for us with updates to SteamOS 3.0. It's, it's extremely exciting. And this hardware is fantastic. All right, let's move on real quick and talk about games on this. I have been playing a bunch of games. Uh, I've been playing Monster Hunter Rise. As I said before, the game runs absolutely fantastic. A 1200, 1280 by 800 uh, resolution. And I can't remember the frames per second off the top of my head, but I think it was I think it was maintaining a pretty high frame rate. Again, I can't remember off the top of my head. Working really well. Like I said before, The Witcher 3, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Final Fantasy 14 runs really well on this. That game is listed as unsupported, but it runs. It works. Uh, you just, my one gripe with it, and this isn't a problem that Valve can fix. It's a problem that only Square can fix is that whenever I played Final Fantasy XIV on my PlayStation, I didn't have to type in my password every time. And I, I can understand that, you know, for security purposes, they want you to, to type in your password. But for security purposes, I have very long, complicated passwords. And typing them in on a touchscreen is a huge, huge pain in the rear. And I can't stand doing it. And I would play Final Fantasy XIV on this more often if I didn't have to do that. If if the, if if Square could give me a way to save my password, or and this would be something that maybe Valve could do, Valve, if you could make a password manager and build it into Steam that would input my passwords for me, and I don't know, maybe hide it behind a, a, a security pin, that would be really fantastic. Um, hopefully I remember, I want to talk about security on the steam deck after I finish talking about, uh, the software Elden ring. I bought this, uh, today. It's really good. Um, if you don't like souls games, don't buy it. You're not going to like it, but I'm enjoying it. I really am. I don't love souls games, but I am enjoying it. Now I'm getting my tail kicked. The combat is insanely hard. But that's a Souls game. That's how they work. And it's running really well on the Steam Deck. I would say at max settings, Elden Ring, 1280 by 800, max settings, everything cranked up. I can probably get an hour and a half out of the Steam Deck, which is not much, admittedly. But that's why I drop everything down to medium. And I could probably, like, if I drop everything down to medium, turn on FSR and lower the resolution down to 520p, I could probably get over three hours of Elden Ring out of this. Now, I'm not going to play Elden Ring for three hours because after three hours of getting killed over and over, I'm probably going to chuck this thing. And so it's probably not the way to go for me. But. I've been playing a lot of games on here, games that I have not played in a long time. And I have hundreds of games in my Steam library that I now have access to. And the the actual, the secondary effect of me getting the Steam Deck is I have been looking at sales like nonstop. I've been going to like Green Man Gaming. I've been making sure to pay more attention to PC sales from Wario 64. And there's so many good deals going on all the time. My backlog is about to get a whole lot longer. All right. I said a second ago, boy, can I remember what I was talking about at the time? 
security. That's what I was talking about. I said a second ago that I wanted to talk about security. This is a portable device. If I lose this, everybody, anybody who finds it has access to all of my stuff because there's no way to lock it. Now, I could log out each time. That's a huge pain, and I'm not going to do that. There should be a way to set it up, and you can't do this on the Nintendo Switch, I don't think, either. But there should be a way to set it up so that when I turn it off, when I hit this button right down, right up here on the top and sleep this, when I turn it back on, it should ask me to input a code or something. And if I don't put in the right code after X number of, t- uh, of attempts, market is stolen, lock it down, turn it into a brick, because as a portable device that has my credit card info saved on it, that's not a good thing. Absolutely not a good thing. Now, of course, if somebody does find it, they can't get my credit card info, but they can buy any game that they want, and I'm the one that's going to be paying for it. So that's definitely an issue. And again, Valve has been incredibly receptive to input, both from myself and other content creators that got early hands-on with the Steam Deck. And I've already seen them implement some things that people have asked for like people like Linus Tech Tips, I believe he complained about the keyboard where as you were typing things in, if you move the cursor past the right side of the keyboard, it didn't come over to the left side of the keyboard. And it does that now. Now that that little thing is fixed. And so Valve has been very receptive to ideas from people who have their hands on the Steam Deck. And as more people get their hands on the Steam Deck, you're going to see a lot more what's the word I'm looking for, Uh, a lot more iteration happening. At least I think so. All right, let's move on and talk about a possible collaboration between Valve and Microsoft. I can't believe I'm about to say this. Valve was asked, essentially, hey, are you going to make a Steam Pass, which is essentially a copy of Game Pass? And and Gabe Newell, the, the, the guy who walked around Seattle area handing out Steam Decks like a like a, a Steam Deck clad Santa Claus. Um, <laughs> he said, no, we're not going to do that. We don't really see a need for it, but we would be open to helping Microsoft bring game pass to steam oh my god that would be amazing like if game pass worked on this without having to do anything that would be an incredible thing now somebody might say well bill why would microsoft bring their stuff to a competing platform a couple of reasons number one they just made a big purchase with zenimax They just tried to make a second, even bigger purchase with Activision Blizzard. And that one's currently under review from the U.S. government and I think the European Union as well. And because of that scrutiny by the governments of the world, trying to make sure that Microsoft isn't getting too big for their britches, I think Microsoft has to, they, they don't have a choice. They have to be, they have to play nice. In the last episode, I think I talked about how Microsoft promised to honor all of the, all of their current contracts and continue to bring games like Call of Duty and, and that kind of thing to the PlayStation, even though that is competing. 
So why would they do it with Valve? Well, they're already doing it with Valve. Uh, the latest version of Halo is on Steam. The latest version of Forza is on Steam. Um, ZeniMax, no, not ZeniMax, um, Bethesda, which is a subsidiary of ZeniMax, they just announced um, last week that they are shutting down their launcher and bringing their games to Steam instead. And I don't know if you know, but Bethesda is owned by ZeniMax, and ZeniMax is now owned by Microsoft. So that means Microsoft probably either is playing so hands-off that they don't care, or they okayed that deal, in which case it makes perfect sense for Microsoft to say, hey, we want more people to subscribe to Game Pass. That's really what Microsoft has been going for this entire what's the word I'm looking for, this entire generation. They have been trying to say, look, Sony is going after a more traditional method, selling you the games, uh, and saying, hey, we've got bigger numbers. And that, that's great. They, they're going with buy our system because of the exclusives. Microsoft is saying buy our systems or don't buy our systems, but subscribe to Game Pass because it's a really good deal. And there's a whole bunch of people out there who play games through Steam and they have a PC, but a lot of them don't bother with Game Pass because they don't want to deal with the, another launcher. Like there's a lot of people out there who only use Steam, which is A, why this thing, the, the Steam Deck is such a big deal, but also why Microsoft can't ignore Steam. So... Like I said before, they have to play nice because of the government scrutiny. And there's a giant bunch of wallets out there that that Microsoft could be getting subscription fees for every month by bringing um, Game Pass to Steam. Now, is that going to happen? I don't know. Is it going to happen fast? No, but it would be really, really cool if Microsoft brought Game Pass to Steam. I really hope that they do. All right, let's move on to the final topic of today, and that's um, Luna. Luna, if you don't know, is Amazon's, uh, essentially their answer to Stadia, to cloud gaming, to GeForce Now. And Luna is, uh, right. well, up until recently, it was US only, invite only, and uh, it was a very, very small subset of people who could actually use it. Well, Luna is now available to everyone in mainland U.S., and it has more games, more features, and there is a special offer for Prime members. Now, for the most part, if you ask me, I think that Luna works very well, has a decent controller. I don't like their business model. Their business model is only subscription. They will not sell you any games. You cannot buy a game from Luna. So most of this stuff I'm uninterested in. However, there is one thing that they did uh, when they listed all of the channels, they have what's called the Prime channel. And I'm a Amazon Prime subscriber. I have Prime Video. I get stuff shipped to my house from Amazon. I buy a lot of stuff on Amazon because it's convenient. And so I'm already subscribed to this and they've just given me one more reason to be an Amazon Prime subscriber and that's that I can use some of the games on Luna. Now, right now, the Prime subscription for Luna is 
not a whole lot of games. It's it's actually quite few. And they say that it's going to be rotating in and out. So you'll have games that show up and then those games disappear. And if you happen to be subscribed uh, to Amazon Prime but not subscribed to any of the other channels that they have on Amazon Luna, then a game could show up, you start playing it and you don't finish it and now it's gone. It's not going to feel good. So I don't like that. Uh, but let's talk about the other channels. I think that the Prime Gaming channel is a very smart move from Amazon because it gives people a, a chance to try it without spending any extra money. Uh, I will say this. You're going to want to get the controller. It's a decent controller. And I actually, you know what? I haven't tried Amazon without the Luna controller because I got it as soon as the Luna controller came out. So let me know if you've used it without the Luna controller and what you think. I've used it with the Luna controller and it works pretty well. Uh, there's also a retro channel that has a bunch of retro collections on it, which is very, very awesome. There's the Jackbox channel, which has a bunch of Jackbox games. I think that's five bucks a month. There's a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? There's there's a, a kids channel, which I think is five bucks a month, and you can live stream your games from Luna to Twitch at the same time, which is cool. They also have the ability to do um, like a Luna phone controller. So if you don't have enough controllers, you can use your phone to play. I wouldn't play like that, but you can. Uh, overall, I think that it's good that they're doing this. It means more competition in the cloud gaming market, which I think is a good thing for everybody involved. Uh, but I still really, really don't like their business model. I think their business model is inherently flawed because you cannot buy a game. And somebody might say, well, Bill, hold on. You just said that Game Pass is an, is an incredibly good deal and you can't buy those games. Well, you can. Like, I can buy those games if I want, and I can play them on that device. It's just purchasing it is not part of Game Pass, although you do get a deal when you buy games from Game Pass. But with Luna, there are no purchases. You cannot buy the games. And that is the reason why I just won't really use it all that much. And I'm never going to subscribe to one of the channels when I could just buy the games someplace else. Because I don't like the idea of a game leaving my subscription feed and me not being able to play it anymore. Uh, that's why I think the Stadia uh, business model is much better. You can buy the, all the games that you want, no subscription needed, or you can subscribe to Stadia Pro. You get like 50 games. Those games do rotate in and out, but once you claim them, you always have access to those games as long as you're subscribed. I think that is the better business model, in my opinion, way better than Luna. Um, I would say, I'm not going to say whether or not it's better or worse than Game Pass, because with Game Pass, you can buy the games if you want. Um, and Game Pass comes with more games. But Stadia's number of games keeps getting bigger and bigger. It's pretty impressive. Um so that's what's going on with cloud gaming. Before I wrap up, I will say this. Uh, NVIDIA sent me a copy of Destiny 2 The Witch Queen. I did a live stream of it on the on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash nerdnest if you're listening to the show. And uh, the game is really good. I had a lot of fun. Um, and man, oh man, is it beautiful on the 3080 tier? That game is really, really pretty. I highly recommend Destiny 2, big fan of that game. I will say this, it's very disappointing 
that Bungie said, essentially, we're not supporting the Steam Deck. And if you try and get around our restrictions of not supporting the Steam Deck, meaning if you are trying to force the game to run on the Steam Deck, we might ban you. That's a little ridiculous. I think that I think that it's been shown that the anti-cheat stuff works on the Steam Deck very well. And the barrier to entry for um, developers and publishers to get their games working on the Steam Deck using easy anti-cheat or what's the one with the bear? I can't, I can never remember the other one. Battle Eye, I think. Um, I think I mixed those two up, but it doesn't matter. Um, you know, those two things, they, they essentially require the, the publisher to send an email or check a box saying, yeah, it's okay. Make sure that these, these run on the steam deck and for Bungie to say, yeah, no, thank you. And we're going to ban you if you try. That's kind of, that's a, that's a jerk move. I don't like it. Uh, Anyway, I talked a lot about the steam deck on this episode and I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, I, each week I am going to try to do one story about the Steam Deck, one story about Nintendo, one story about Xbox, one story about PlayStation, and one story about cloud. So hopefully, I'm like that's what I'm thinking I might do for uh, this show. We'll see how it works. Let me know what you guys think in the description or in the comment section down below. And thank you for listening or watching. However you do, I will see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Stay rad.